Well, hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to On The Bat Bar podcast. Yes, it's me, Christopher Menning, your host. Uh, I hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. Today, we have a special guest. His name is James Rackham, a.k.a. Daddy Rack. Uh, he's a fantastic guy who's been in the spirits world for, well, a hell of a long time. Actually, we're going to hear all about his journey in the spirits world, starting at the age of 15 years old, working with a pretty big cognac house. Um, James has had an incredible lifetime. He's now in his element at the ripe old age of 68, producing amazing spirits still and having a lot of fun. And of course, uh, the main spirit we're here to talk about today is his Daddy Rack Tennessee Straight Whiskey, uh, which is a fantastic product. And we're going to learn all about how it's made today. Uh, so guys, I hope you enjoy the show and, and uh, listen to James's amazing story. Uh, and if you do like it, please give it a like, share, subscribe, and you can find more information in the show notes. Um, once again, guys, Great to have you back and uh, enjoy this episode. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On About Bar Podcast. Pleasure to have you all uh, join me again. I'm, of course, your host, Christopher Menning. And today we have James joining us from East Sussex, which I'm very happy about because that's where I'm raised. Uh, James, we're here to talk about, obviously, your career in the spirit world and, obviously, Daddy Rack as well. Uh, how are you, James, firstly? Well, I'm very good, but um, the thing is, I'm not an East Sussex boy like you. I'm a Labrador Grove boy. <laughs> I was born in Portobello Road right. above my dad's uh, liquor store or his wine shop, uh, or his off-license, whatever you want to call these things. And I was born in the 50s, so I'm good. Um, and I I have a spiritual home there, uh, but also I love living in, like you, you were born in East Sussex. I adore East Sussex. It's a beautiful county, so I'm very happy. I'm in my cabin here uh, where I do all my uh, creative work. So, um, yeah, I'm good to meet all of you today. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And it's interesting because obviously Portobello Road has a bit of history uh, with the spirits world and I guess being above your father's off license as well. Do you think that's what kicked off your spirit world and uh, your career? That was sort of the birthplace of it? Well, my, my dad, my dad, uh, um, when he came out of the REF after the war, got an off license in Portobello Road. It was right at the end of Labrick Grove. It was actually um, quite a famous off-license because it was in uh, uh, The Blue Lamp, which is a classic film, and uh, there's a whole load of uh, police cars going by and stuff like that with their sirens going. But uh, So I grew up there in the 50s, and uh, I grew up in the street market, and that was definitely part of my DNA. My dad then built up an off-license chain. He had 15 stores at the end. And so I grew up in off licenses, um, 
filling up the shelves, working behind the counter. And in, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, uh, well, the 50s and 60s particularly, the spirit business is very strong. And the 70s, and then it kind of morphed into wine. And then obviously it came back in the 90s, the spirit business. So I grew up in a spirit business. My, I, I, so I worked with my dad uh, in his off licenses. And obviously I went to school as well. <laughs> Let's just be sure. Good. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> Let's <so>. be sure. <laughs> We're not talking about slave labor. Not just work. No, but I love working um, in my mm. in my family business and and doing that. It was great, and I and I, I admire people who do that today as well. By the way, um, but my my dad also uh, was very creative and progressive and inspired. So, uh, I mean, he was chairman of the National Off-Licence Association in the 60s. He was a unionist. He was, you know, giving, you know, he, he was a very interesting guy. So I, I, my dad was a great mentor, is what I guess what I'm saying. Mm. But my dad organised me to go on to an internship programme. And I know you're a cognac boy, aren't you? You love cognac, don't you? Yes. How did you know uh, that? But I was told that. Though I got my briefing papers <laughs> in front of me here. And I know you love cognac. Brilliant. <laughs> I do. It's my favorite. <laughs> so my my big thing, my my kind of um, uh, epiphany was when I was 15. And uh, my dad sent me to, um, uh, well, he, he, he organized me to spend the summer with the Camus family when in 1968. Oh, wow. Now, 1968, by the way, was a very interesting year. Because anyone who knows their history, 68 was when the Sorbonne was rioting. It was the, you know, the, like the Vietnam thing was going on. 68 was a massive, massive year for students. And I was only 15 mm. when I went there. So I spent my summer of 68 there, which is a classic year. And, um, and I learned from the Camus family. I stayed with the family in their house. Their, well, their chateau, Chateau Le Plessis. And I, I got to meet the family and the brothers and so on. And I went to work with a great guy called Michel Camus, who um, uh, built that business, you know, with massive contracts. He, he, he created duty-free shoppers. He created a contract with the Russian uh, Soviet Union. He was an amazing guy. So he, he, he and my dad were good friends. Uh, they kind of kicked it off and he took me in under his wing. So I spent the summer there and I learned a little bit about cognac and uh, and so on. And then I carried that on. So I, I, I kind of got my epiphany there, my, my kind of interest in spirits from that. And then I carried on my, my student career, became an economist, worked in Australia as an economist. And then my dad uh, and I carried on doing my apprenticeships in different areas in the vineyards and whatever. So my dad asked me to come back and help me help him run the business. So I did that in the mid seventies and I did that for about 10 years. And after 10 years, I said, dad, this is not for me. I really want to do something else uh, and I'll carry on running the business, but I want to, so I wanted to get into spirits. So I did that in the um, mid eighties in 1984, I started up this company, which is now called Emporia Brands. Um, and and I started um, working with own label supermarkets. And my, my big break 
was uh, my first break and it came quite quickly uh, because I was I was like in 28 or 29 then and I was pretty keen and I was knocking on doors and the door that opened for me pretty quickly was Sainsbury's and they liked me and and we've had a life I've had a lifelong career working with Sainsbury's to doing product development with Sainsbury's and now with Tesco and with Waitrose and those three guys um, have really been very inspirational to me in terms of product development and understanding the national. Keep in mind, I had 15 stores and I needed to understand what the national retailers were doing. So I needed to get outside and I was running that business. So for a young boy at 28 doing that, um, you need to get some outside inspiration. So that's what I did to get my outside inspiration as I started working with these guys. And I did um, own label brandy. So for 20 years, this comes back to you, Chris, I, I, I really honed my skills in blending um, cognac, armagnac and calvados. So within, within 10 years, I was the leading importer for armagnac and calvados. I was supplying the major retailers with their own blends. I understood that, but it all came back to that original relationship with Camu. And I started with Camu doing some contract work with them. I don't work with them now. I work with someone else uh, because um, <laughs> if you talk to Cyril Camu, he's no way he's going to be selling me his cognac. He needs it for his China market. But um, <laughs> but I learned about blending, Chris. I learned about blending. I learned about terroir. I learned about ingredients. Um, I learned about um, uh, cask management, particularly with my friends in Calvados, who were very experimental. And in Armagnac, Armagnac was really, really interesting. Um, and it still remains so because we, we do a huge amount working with small uh, growers in Armagnac. Um, and it's then about, it's about the recipe and the ingredients. So it's about the, um, in Armagnac, it's about the, um, uh, the three core uh, grape varieties, Uli Blanc and, uh, um, and how to manage the core ingredients and then the distillation. In this case, in Armagnac, it's, um, it's single distillation. Uh, short still, whereas in cognac, of course, as you know, it's double distillation. And there's a lot of misnomers about double distillation, but double distillation refines and it makes it smooth. But I, I like, I don't know about you, Chris, maybe I'm talking too much, but I, I like <laughs> single distillation. Uh, and I can talk about my rum experience as well, by the way, and how I built my rum business in the UK. But I like a combination of pot and single. I really like, you know, distillation. So it's, for me, it's about, here comes to the point. It's about the ingredients. It's like a chef. The quality of the ingredients is core and selecting. So in the case of Daddy Rack, <laughs> finally getting to the subject. <laughs> <laughs> finally well, I mean, we've, we've got time to go yeah I mean, you so can edit this not, down honestly. i don't care but finally comes no, to the I, subject I <laughs> um so 
it, you know, in the case ingredients. So it's the quality of ingredients is critical with with spirits, and you know you need to examine where the ingredients are coming from, how good they are, the quality of the ingredients. So in the case, for example, with Daddy Rack, um, eighty percent of our recipe is is local corn, grade one, high quality grade one corn, and then uh, malted barley and rye. So I know the quality of the ingredients are good. So that's key. And the same going back to the Armagnac um, example, I know where Armagnac comes from because, you know, we have a, a spirit distribution company representing these brands. So we, we, we check that out. The next thing then is, is uh, in our case, the mash. So we do a 72-hour mash for Daddy Rack. Um, and that's quite a good long mash. And also keep in mind, for us to be 80% corn is very high. You know, um, the minimum is 51%. 51% is, is what is um, a Tennessee whiskey as a minimum or uh, a bourbon. So bourbon Tennessee whiskey has to be minimum. Now, when, <laughs> when we launched in Tennessee last year, we had a lot of uh, interaction like this from uh, podcasts and and so on, say, I, I don't like, you know, high mash uh, corn, uh, uh, it's uh, pretty hard. There's a general perception that a high mash corn is not good. That's rubbish. High, I love high mash corn. I love a corn mash. So the DNA of Daddy Rack is we are high corn mash, but we can show it can be a really delicious product. And that is, for me, the DNA. So we have a high corn mash. Then having done the 72-hour mash, we created all those congeners. And, um, you know, the congeners come out of the fermentation. And so what we've created with a high core mash in particular, which creates much stronger congeners. Congeners are these chemical elements which, which give flavor. These are the flavor elements to a spirit. And there's good congeners and there's bad congeners. And I could go on for an hour to explain what those are, but the, the whole job now is to control uh, the high harsh congeners and modify them without dumbing down the good congeners, which give all those wonderful fruit and characteristic flavors, which you need in a good spirit. So, uh, but, <laughs> and, and this is the whole thing for me, having done spirit blending now for 40 years, Tennessee whiskey is absolutely the ultimate challenge. Why? Because it's got the highest congeners. It's like riding the Mustang. It is the bucking Bronco. It is the hardest thing to get right. You know, it's really is, and it's fun to do that. So given good, good core ingredients, given a good uh, mash, uh, we now have this. So we do a double distillation. So we put it through a pot and we put it through a column, a short column. But what we don't want to do is take out all those good congeners, just take out some of the harsh ones. So we do that. So we do that. Now, the guys I work with do this anyway. And this is why I have to say, I have done virtually nothing 
the guys I work with at the distillery know how to do what I've said so far. So they've got that. What I do next is coming back to Chris, the blending experience and the cognac experience and the army experience is the barrel management. So next, my selection is uh, char three. Now char three, as you know, Chris is a light char. Um, it's an exceptionally light char. So I do a light char barrel American 100% new oak because what I need is I want all of those good congeners still to be there, but I need to start over a period of time to take out some of the harsher ones. So before it goes into the barrel, it goes through, and this is fundamentally important for your, your people listening to this, is the Lincoln County. So Lincoln County is the one most important thing that distinguishes Tennessee whiskey from bourbon because Tennessee, every Tennessee whiskey has to go through uh, a maple charcoal filtration. So maple charcoal filtration is a DNA of Tennessee whiskey. So we do a charcoal filtration and the charcoal filtration uh, strips out some of those harsh uh, congeners. So before it goes into my uh, char number three barrels, it's already had some of those harsh congeners taken out. So it goes into those barrels. Now, the next thing is we've got seven rack houses at our distillery and um, we've got three tiers, upper, middle and lower tier, Chris. So over a period of time, we have the angel share, as we all know. In Tennessee, right. it's a bit warmer than cognac. So the whole maturation process is much faster than cognac. So it's two or three times faster. Um, so in the upper tier, we have a high evaporation, middle and low, low evaporation. But over a period of time, as we taste year by year, we'll see an evolution that's really quite dynamic between those three tiers. Um, and also what's amazing is the transformation of color. So in year one, it goes in completely uh, neutral. Uh, year two, you see a little tinge of color, but by year three, you have got, and we are year three Tennessee whiskey, Chris. So when you look at this, that color is 100% natural from the oak in year three, which is amazing. It's a beautiful color. No caramel has been added because we are a straight whiskey. And that's the other key thing uh, to, to understand. We're a straight whiskey. What does straight whiskey mean? A straight whiskey is again, a legally defined term. So we are a Tennessee straight whiskey, which means we're only made from those three core ingredients of the corn, the, 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 the rye, and a malted barley. We have no uh, caramel to make color. We have no flavoring. We have nothing. We are a straight yes. Tennessee whiskey. Actually, I've talked a lot. Wow. Do you want to, should I pause? You have. <laughs> I'm Please sorry. Do, yes. I mean, it's I, a lot to You can to see I'm in, pretty but... passionate about this, but do you want, I Absolutely. mean, I'll, I'll take you through the next today. stage in a minute, but should I pause to ask me 
Do you want to ask me any questions? Yes, please, what please, please. <laughs> James, that was fantastic. And that was a no, I mean, literally, that's what you're here for. We're here to listen to your incredible story. Um, yeah, I mean, fantastic. It's really great to hear about the production of Daddy Rack. And uh, for those who haven't tried it yet, I do recommend you do. Um, I found it quite interesting how you started at such a young age, 15, uh, working with the Camus family. But I'm interested as well. You're, you had this first love for cognac, Calvados, Armagnac and spirit production. Why then did you go to Tennessee Whiskey? Was it because you described it as the Mustang of the spirit world? And well, it was the challenge. It's very easy to answer that. And it's a very stupid answer I'm going to give you. Because <laughs> when, I was, when I was 15, I used to watch High Chaparral. You're too far too young. I used to watch Westerns. <laughs> So my, my favorite <laughs> TV was Westerns. I love America and Westerns and all of that. I was totally into that. And when mm -hmm. I uh, was 18, drinking age, and went to a bar or a nightclub, I thought it was pretty cool to have an American whiskey. And the only American whiskey <laughs> was actually Canadian Club. And I would be very cool, chilled out drinking Canadian Club in a bar and thinking I was very... And I, because it was sweet and it's easy and it's approachable. Mm, okay. And I like that. And I am, I, I like, I have, like, I am just um, an American junkie. I love America. I love American people. I love America. I have a Ford Mustang in my drive now, left hand wow. drive, which I imported. I mean, I am, um, you know, I, I, I'd loved, I, I, I'm going to Tennessee, thank goodness we've got this um, uh, opportunity now to go back to America. So I'm back in Tennessee in November, meeting the people I love. I'm on I'm on Zoom meetings with them every other day. So we, we have a big um, uh, team. Well, we have a team working in, in, in the USA and they're doing a great job. Daddy Rack has been seeded in Tennessee. We launched it in September. We have 80% distribution in all the liquor stores. It's really going well. We're in Georgia, we're expanding. So we have a we have a we have a, a $30 on the shelf product, which is a really good product. And so it's like it's like a kid in a sweet shop. I'm so happy. You know, I'm 68 now. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm 68. My son runs the business. Jack runs the business now. He runs Emporic, right. he runs all that. I'm here mm -hmm. and I, I'm doing things I've always dreamt I would do and I'm living the dream. That's so good to hear. You're in your element. I mean, a couple of questions that come from that. I think it would be really nice to hear about Tennessee itself. Um, obviously, you love America and it'd be really nice for the audience to hear what Tennessee is actually like. Uh, and then also, I want to know about the name Daddy Rack and why you chose it. <laughs> so... Um... No one should not go to Nashville. Uh, it is, for me, a destination place to be. It has got an amazing vibe. It's a beautiful city with beautiful people and fantastic music. It is the music city of America. Uh, it's, um, when you go down Broadway, which is the central street, it's left and right full of bars, which are open-ended, playing live music. The, the vibe is just, there is nowhere in the world like Nashville. 
so that's it. And obviously, then you've got um, you've got um, all the surrounding area. You've got all the history. You've got the American Civil War. You've got the Elvis Presley stuff. You've got all of that, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place. Um, it's a very interesting place to be, um, and the people are really cool and they're really nice, um, and they're like they're like they're like us. <laughs> <laughs> they, they welcome you but they are but they're 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 cool people so i love i love tennessee they're cool people i would i would love to spend more time in tennessee i really love tennessee so um that kind of worked and also they have this um very uh clear definition in their spirit of what tennessee whiskey should be because you know bourbon could be made in any state in the usa all it has to be is 51% corn. You can make it in any state in the USA. It doesn't have to come out of Kentucky. It can come out of any state. So that it's, it's a pretty broad thing. So I kind of say like um, uh, Tennessee whiskey is for me, it's a bit like malt whiskey compared to whiskey. Uh, there's a bit more control. It's very mm -hmm. specific. And, and I've got to meet some of the good producers of Tennessee. A lot of small micro producers in Tennessee and obviously, I've been to JD and seen the JD operation. It's phenomenal, phenomenal mm, what JD right. have got. It's an amazing operation. But we're we're a we're a 20-barrel production. We're a craft spirit. We make every production is a small batch of 20 barrels, which is made up of these. I, I kind of told you when I cut off about the three tiers, you remember the upper tier, the middle tier, lower tier. So we kind of got an algorithm for our blend of what we want from each of those, each ABV. And that's you know how we do it. And then we put it through the final uh, maple, uh, do a second maple filtration, just to take out the last of those congeners. So everyone says my blend's pretty good. You know, it's got a lot of flavor. It's got a lot of uh, <laughs> in America, when I do podcasts there, hey, this is like uh, Tennessee whiskey like it used to be. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm an Englishman in East Sussex, uh, and right. you know I'm inspired that. I, I regard that as a really massive compliment. Um, so thank you. From the high praise, high praise. Mm. So the Americans like my whiskey, and that's great. So I'm very, very optimistic what we can do with Daddy Rack. And we've got some right. new plans. I don't know whether you know, we're doing a single cask, uh, single barrel cask strength bottling in next week. Uh, we're oh, launching right. our first single single barrel cask strength. We've, we've picked uh, 10 barrels. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, and we're the first to do that, I think, in Tennessee. So, yeah. And that's going to go into the Tennessee market and some will come into the, there's two barrels coming to the UK. So that's going to be in the UK in November. So you do like to be quite experimental then? Um, well, experimental is just, just, just maxing out the resource, the, the, the wonderful thing you have. Um, right. And also yeah, responding because, you know, there's, there's, there's two things, uh, Chris, that you've got the experts who are really into the single barrel car strength and so on. And then you've got, it comes back to that demographic again, Chris, 
you know, like I was that 18 year old that chose American whiskey when I went to a bar. And my daughter's just gone to, she's 18 now. She's just gone to Exeter. I, I dropped her off two weeks ago. And I, I kind of know what she drinks and her friends drink because I hang out with them, which is really useful for a 68 year old to hang out with an 18 year old. So, <laughs> but, but I bet but you get to teach them about all the cool but stories, nothing's right? changed. Because it's got the flavor profile, which I like. So Generation Z uh, Z are into American whiskey because the flavor profile is really good. And then you have the expert market. So actually, it's a really, really exciting market. And, you know, we're we're the only brand outside of JD in the market. So um, Daddy Rack is, 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 is the craft spirit running alongside one of the biggest brands in the market. So totally. And we have great we we can we can produce the numbers from my partner who's our production partner and we've got all that done. So we we we've we've got we've got a big opportunity. So uh, it keeps me as daddy rack oh, okay we're back to your second question though. <laughs> yes. Let's let's hear what, about my name. name. <laughs> okay. It's easy. It's my daughter Grace. So my daughter, Grace, is having a birthday this week, 1st of October. And uh, my daughter, Grace, um, she's a lawyer now, but um, she she's uh, she was an actress. Um, She did law at uni at Bristol and she had her parties and she said, Daddy, can you help me with a party? She had like five or six best friends. Um, So I said I phoned up my friend Mango Tree in Belgravia one of our great customers. And I said, can you give this girl a a table with her friends, like a table of 10, put on some nice cocktails, we'll do that. Give them some nice food, put some wine on, give her a good time. So I did that for five years. And I used to get these little notes from all her friends saying, Daddy Rack, thank you so much for such a great (laughs) night. fantastic so that's why it was like all her friends and and she's getting married next year and i'm gonna see them all next year and they know me as daddy rack so i got this name daddy rack from grace when i was sponsoring her birthday parties when she was in her early (laughs) 20s and it kind of stuck and i you know and i i looked at branding and looked at all the usual names like wild horses and uh Wild this and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I promise you, we did a lot of research and I got, I did a lot of research and everything's done. All there's, and I thought, <laughs> I can't get a name. So, what is a name that actually resonates? What's a good name? And so I, I, I went with a daddy rack. And I have to tell you, Jack, my son, who runs my business now, thought it was appalling. I named the brand after myself. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't but like the idea at first. But he's <laughs> no, he's come round to it now. <laughs> but wow, it's quite okay. fun because you know I'm doing a thing at the weekend. I'm doing a gig at the weekend in London, the whiskey show, and oh, okay, uh, I'm, okay. I'm 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 wearing my corn farmer thing. I, I've got these Levi dungarees and my t-shirt, and that's who I am. There, I no longer wear a suit. I mean, I always wear my my dungarees and my t-shirt and. That's my persona now because I just love what I do and well, I am what I am. 
And James, before our last couple of questions, sorry to cut you off then. You mentioned a whiskey show uh, in London. Can you tell me a bit more about that and if people can come here about what you do and, and taste your spirits? Well, the whiskey, the whiskey show, I think it's pretty well. Google the whiskey show. I think it's pretty well sold out. This is my mm, friend, okay. uh, Sukinda, uh, who owns uh, Specialty Spirits. And he runs this thing with uh, his partners. And it's the number one whiskey show in London. And, I, you know, last weekend, there was a big whiskey show in Paris, uh, which was mm. done by uh, some similar guys. Uh, but this weekend uh, coming up is the whiskey show. It runs Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, if you're going out, get your listeners to have a look at it. There might be some tickets left. We're going to be there with a the stand. But I, when I looked at it last time, it was virtually sold out. I think there's some tickets left. But it's, mm, it's, okay. um, it's an amazing show with um, uh, whiskies from around the world. And, and outside of, you know, what's really interesting is seeing so many countries now Every country can make a whiskey that can, you know, grow the ingredients and put it distillery and make the investment of uh, maturation. So the whiskey market is going through a real renaissance of interest. Great. That's fantastic. So for, for the listeners who maybe have a ticket already, definitely go find James uh, and try his whiskey. Um, yeah, please yeah, do. Come and see me. Stories. I'll be there every day. <laughs> So just a few more questions before we wrap up, James. Um, and honestly, I wish we had more time because I'm sure there's so much I could ask. <laughs> I want to know about um, maybe, you know, you've been involved in so many different aspects of the spirits world and, uh, you know, you must have your sort of ultimate favourite drink or maybe that changes often. But maybe what's best here is how do you like to drink Daddy Rack? Do you drink it straight or have you tried it in a cocktail? What would you suggest? When I went to Jack, my son's wedding, which was last month, uh, we had some Danny Rack behind the bar and I was just serving it as straight. And do you know what? It's a really good straight drink. Um, so, yeah. And, 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 what, um, and secondly, the major point, all my spirits I, I produce and make um, or import, if you can't take them straight and really enjoy them straight without anything else, then there's something wrong. So that's the DNA. Mm, so, okay. Straight, I love, but then all the people that Jack has in his team um, are all mixed, and including Jack himself, are all mixologists, and they create some phenomenal drinks. So I personally like whiskey sour. I'm a whiskey sour. I like sours. Mm -hmm. So I like uh, um, uh, daddy with a, a daddy sour. I like a, mm -hmm. a sour. But then we have um, a signature drink, which is... Um, a rack house lemonade with peach creme de peche. Uh, oh, nice. We have a popcorn uh, cocktail. I mean, if you, if you look at our website, there's some really, the guys are creating stuff all the time, but that's great. But for me, uh, the two drinks, if I go to a bar and order daddy rack, I'll either have it on the rocks straight or maybe with a sour. That would be a then, I might, might be encouraged to take an interesting drink after that. Fantastic. <laughs> well, for the audience, if you look in the show notes, the website link will be there. Um, so I'm sure the cocktails will be on there. Uh, I'm definitely going to try some when I can get my hands on a bottle. Um, James, I'm interested what um, you mentioned about the whiskey world sort of changing and, and opening up a bit now. But 
what how how much has it changed the spirits world since your time as an apprentice to now when i uh, when i was filling up my dad's shelves um in the let's say the 60s because i don't want to do the child labor thing of the 50s <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, when i was in my dad's stores in the 60s and maybe then late 60s even running his stores uh, the, 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 the whole whiskey business was dominated by a company called DCL, Distillers Company Limited, which is now Diageo. And the brands like oh, Haig right. okay. and White Horse and uh, Johnny Walker. I mean, those were the brands in whiskey that everyone knew and Dimple Haig and stuff like that. That was the market. There was nothing else. And they were good products, but they were run by one company. Um, and then Famous Grouse came in. I'm kind of thinking as I'm talking now, then Famous Krauss, and Famous Krauss came in in the like 80s and they changed everything because they were hugely successful and they broke that almost that kind of monopoly. Uh, and then other brands came into the market and, and so on. My personal favorite at that time was Cuddy, my dad's was Cuddy Sark. And my dad was the biggest distributor of Cuddy Sark in London with his stores. And I had for five years the privilege of being the distributor in the UK of Cuddy Sark uh, prior to Edgerton Group uh, buying the brand. So, um, which I like very much. And I like the cocktail mixology of Cuddy Sark. We did a lot of work with that. Um, so then, um, then of course, uh, other areas, particularly Irish whiskey and Pernarica, when they invested in Jameson and look what a fantastic job they've done with Irish whiskey. And look right. at all of the like 50 distilleries or 60 distilleries now you have in Ireland as a result of that and the popularity of Irish whiskey. Uh, again, adding something to the mix. Um, North America, we talked about, uh, but even uh, I love um, uh, Asian whiskies and of course Japanese whiskies have been uh, the last 10 years, 15 years, a phenomenal. So uh, it's it's a, a global, it's a global market, uh, but it all comes back to, for your listeners, how good are those, what I said at the beginning, what is the core ingredient? How good are those ingredients? How well do they do the fermentation, get those congeners? Because that's what really makes a good whiskey. And then how do they distill those? And then how do they age those? And, and how do they finally blend them? You know, there's steps you need to do to make a really fine whiskey. Um, but you can make fine whiskey, I wouldn't say anywhere, but as long as you have those, those steps and the core ingredients and you have some authenticity as well. And I, I, it's nice to have a story, isn't it? Um, it's nice to have a story behind the brand so people can lock onto that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's my overview. Fantastic. Well, you know, what's next for Daddy Rack? And do you have any plans to produce any other spirits? Or, you know, you, you, you're having so much fun now and you're in your element. You must be oh, having loads of ideas flying out there. <laughs> I've got, I'm, uh, uh, you can't stop me. Um, so <laughs> with, with Daddy Rack, um, the thing with Daddy Rack, okay, here's the thing. I'm going to give you an exclusive now. Oh, I okay. shouldn't do this. Do you want an exclusive? <laughs> Please, yes. You do, Chris. Chris, you need an exclusive. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I mentioned Daddy Rack is our, um, our three-year-old and it's our core, $30 in the UK. Waitrose are just about to launch it 
um, um, nationally. So Waitrose is yeah. about to launch Daddy Rack at £35 a bottle. So that's going to get into the UK market. And it's or if you go online, you can find Daddy Rack at 35 36 37 and that's a good price for Daddy Rack. So it's in the market. And also we're, we've just got our first order out of Russia with 130 stores. So it's mm. going into Moscow with a very top uh, um, fine retail group there. And we've got in Thailand, where you are, uh, we've got uh, the Thai market happening um, next year. And we've got Australia, we've got Japan. So we're we're building up our global business for Daddy Rack. So that's great. We've got the uh, single barrel cast strength, uh, which is only 10 barrels. And now uh, a barrel, you only get 30 cases. So uh, you only get uh, 180 bottles out of a, uh, 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 so it's a relatively small batch, but we've got seven of those going into Tennessee and three, three going into the UK. So that's happening this year. So my little scoop for you is we got, um, <laughs> we've got another little project coming out uh, only because we've kind of learned how to make good spirits young. And I like going back, I like young spirits. And if you look at my website, uh, sorry, my website, look at Daddy Rack's website. <laughs> um, there's a paper there called um, Age is Not Everything. Now, age is not everything means everyone gets hung up about like an age statement, five years or 10 years or 15 years and so on. Age is not everything. It's how you make the spirit, Chris. And you can make a really young spirit really good if you treat it well. And it can be really flavorsome. It has got great flavor profiles and so on. So I like, I do like young spirits. But it can be, but you have to manage those harsh congeners and we'll do it naturally and just make it into something really voluptuous in flavor. So I'm my work at the moment is working on even a younger spirit, um, which I think is going to be quite interesting. And the brand name of that is here's the scoop Jimmy Rack. Jimmy. So my next brand is going to be called Jimmy Rack, right. And Jimmy Rack was the name uh, I was given when I was born. So when I was born, uh, all my aunties and uncles called me Jimmy. So my original name was, um, I have a name, um, James Rackham. So my original name was Jimmy. Uh, my family name is Jimmy. Then I became a Jim as a teenager. And then when I left uni, I became a James. So I've kind of, and then I've, I've got a, a whole bunch of other names, which I'm not even going to repeat now. Some of them quite rude, <laughs> but, um, right. but my original was Jimmy. So, uh, and I love the idea of doing a Jimmy rack, uh, Tennessee whiskey, which is young, really good and approachable, but obviously not daddy rack, but a good, good mixer and easy to drink. So that's my current project. And that's, that's an exclusive today to you. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience and with me as well, James. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see the bottle. Um, I think that's it then. I think we'll end it on a really good high uh, with that amazing scoop. James, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you for making these amazing spirits. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And I hope everyone uh, has a chance to uh, 
have a little taste of Daddy Rack or even Jimmy Rack at some stage, but also just understand a bit more about Tennessee whiskey, which is just an extraordinary uh, place to make good whiskey. There's some really, really good producers in Tennessee. So look out for some exciting things out of Tennessee. What a fantastic episode that was. Uh, James, thank you so much for joining us on the Bat Bar podcast and telling us your story. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a bit. Uh, please go f- find Daddy Rack in your local store or online and try it. And yeah, give us a like, share, subscribe, and uh, find us on social media. If you go on Facebook, our group is the Beverage Network. We are growing rapidly now. Um, and yes, you can also find us in, in other places as well. So, uh, once again, thank you all stay safe wherever you are in your, in your part of the world and talk to you all next week.